Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 150. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Lee's Comics. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by popoptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. You remember them from your childhood. Half for the Friendly Ghost, Richie Rich, Hot Stuff, Baby Huey, Sad Sack and Little Audrey. You read them in comic books and saw them on television and in the movies. Now you can read about how they and other Harvey comic characters were created in two great books from Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions, The Best of Harveyville Fun Times and The Harvey Comic Companion. Both are available from Amazon. The Companion is also available from Fair Manor Media. They are available in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. Long title Looking for the Good Times Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song, and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Christmas, Christmas time is here, and Alvin and the Chipmunks are here again. In 1958, a down songwriter with an unlikely name of Ross Bagdasarian plunged the last of his family savings on a multi-speed tape recorded and created The Witch Doctor and Alvin and the Chipmunks. This changed the fortunes for his family, his record label, and animated cartoon studio. Alvin! The story of Ross Bagdasarian, Liberty Records, Format Film, and The Alvin Show by Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions is available from Amazon and Fair Manor Media in hardcover, paperback, and ebook versions. Order your copies today. You can now order my latest book, the TTV Scrapbook, from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Bear Manor Media. If you'd like signed copies of this or any of my books, please email me at funideas.mark at gmail.com for further information on how to order directly from me via PayPal. I'm currently working on a Dino Writers article for Back Issue Magazine and, of course, the Mad and Turtles books. My next book should be the Pac-Man book I turned in earlier this year. It should be out sometime in 2022.
For our 150th show, the Fun Ideas Podcast is proud to present Mad Magazine's Maddest Writer, as well as a writer for such classic TV shows as The Match Game and To Tell the Truth. Here he is, the legendary Dick DiBartolo. Hi, this is Mark Arnold with another Fun Ideas Podcast, and today... This is our 150th episode, and I have a very special guest, the man you see above me, and he sent me a signed picture of this caricature of Alfred E. Newman. His name is Mad's Maddest Artist, Dick DiBartolo. How are you, sir? I am good, sir, and you? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining with me today on this show. Oh, no problem. No problem. It's a so, cold day in New York City, so it's good to be inside. Oh, very good. Yeah, here it's actually kind of warm. I said I was in Oregon, so, uh, but we've had our snow. It always seems like it's the opposite. If you guys get a big belt of snow, we're warm, and if we get a big well, belt what's, of snow, what's, you're what, what is warm in Oregon? Uh, currently, it's probably about 50, I guess. Oh, oh that's warm. That's yeah. warm. It's yeah, uh, yeah. 28 here. Yeah, but it's been down below, like, 28, 27 in recent weeks you know in the morning yeah. usually got okay. to defrost the windshield and that, you know. <laughs> so how i usually start off i have a whole bunch of questions but it doesn't mean oh, that okay. go through okay. them, but you know i usually know history just uh i don't do history and i don't do uh, math questions uh, pretty much anything else is <laughs> well okay. i hope you do mad history questions because that's oh, going to okay. really make a very short show <laughs> so I usually start off by just asking you, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in comedy writing and working for MAD. Uh, okay, so my inspiration was a guy named Sid Caesar. I don't know if you know that name. Uh, show of Shows. And they used to do movie satires. And they just, they, they killed me. And I thought, this is a, I want to write this kind of stuff. Uh, I was reading MAD. And then after a while, I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'll send them something. Um, and I bought the Writer's Yearbook because I didn't know about submitting to a magazine. And uh, it said uh, most magazines will only read manuscripts submitted by an agent. And, you know, I was in high school. Uh, and it said, and some will don't need an agent. And I looked up mad right away and it said, we'll read anything. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> But make sure you include a self-addressed stand envelope. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't get returned and you don't know what happened. So I wrote the thing and put the, my big envelope in with it. And uh, about six weeks later, my own envelope came back uh, really depressed. And then later I thought, well, maybe it's, it's almost there or we can't do it because it's too close to what we're doing. Uh, anyway, I opened it up. And pulled it out, and it was cardboard. And scribbled on a cardboard, it said, ha, 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 thought this was your script being returned. Well, we bought it, and stapled to this cardboard is a check for 100 bucks. That was big time back yeah. then. <laughs> um, and please call me. I want to talk to you about writing more from MAD. And it was signed by Nick Meglin, um, associate editor. And that started the whole thing with MAD. And um, I was doing, they're called filler pieces. You know, they're the, the movies and the TV shows, and then in between are the filler pieces. And I, I was doing that. And then two guys 
who just got out of service, uh, asked me to write some satire for him, which I did. And one of them liked it, but the other one hated it. Anyway, <laughs> the one guy said, I'll pay my half of the, for this script, but we're, we're not going to use it. So I was really depressed. I showed it to Nick Meglin. And uh, I said, you know, I told him the whole story. And Nick said, well, I'll read it. And he said, you know what? This could be a mad satire. He said, it, it's not a movie that's playing, but we could start doing a mad look at old World War II movies. So write it up as a movie. And I did. And suddenly I was doing filler pieces and movie satires. So that, uh, so I, I wrote the musical and I wrote the submarine movie and the World War II movie and the Western. And then uh, they said, well, you know what? We're going to assign you um, a major motion picture. Uh, so that's how I started doing the movies. Now, um, in uh, your book, which I will promote here, you did Good Days and Mad. And it's yep. kind of really your life, not only with Mad, but with the publisher, William M. Gaines. It's like your relationship with the movie that year. That was a bizarre thing. I was terrified of bill when i first worked there i remember about three months in i said you know nick i, I don't have a check for the so-and-so piece and nick said um I'll, I'll, I'll hang on i'll put bill on i said no don't put bill on give me the accounting department and nick said bill is the accounting department i said yeah but i don't want to bother him well nick must have told bill that i was th this backstory and so Bill picks up the phone, and I hear Nick say, Dick D. Bartell is on the phone, and Bill says, well, who the hell is he? And he said, he's, a, a, he's writing some stuff, and he goes, oh, God, these writers. And he goes, hello. And, and I said, Bill, I didn't want to, I, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm, and Bill starts laughing, and he goes, Dick, I'm thrilled that you called. I, I am annoyed. I don't know why I didn't pay you. I'll get a check out today. And he said, being mean to new people is just the way of life here at MAD. So have a thick skin. And But then one day we went to a, a big MAD luncheon and, and Bill said something about Lucy the elephant. And I said, are you talking about the hotel at Coney Island or are you talking about Lucy in Margate? And like Bill went, you know, uh, I, I said, oh, my God. I said, I, th I found that so fascinating. He goes, what are you doing Saturday? <clears throat> and I said, nothing I can't change. He said, why don't we drive down to Margate and see the elephant? I said, that would be great. And then on the way down, he said, uh, you want to get some uh, Taylor pork rolls uh, uh, on buns? I said, I don't even know what that is. He said, oh, my God, you don't. So anyway, we went to Atlantic City and we had uh, uh, Taylor pork roll grilled on hamburger buns. And then we went to Margate and saw the elephant. And the elephant was a disaster. And Bill said, we have to find somebody. We have to find the mayor. <laughs> so I guess we went to the tourist bureau. I don't know how, but we ended up in the mayor's house. And Bill said, uh, you know, we love the elephant. I will give you, I'll get the donations rolling. You have to save the elephant. Uh, and from that day forward, we just hit it off and we became really good pals. So as a, as a result, I love the book. 
good days in mad but oh thank you one of the things that i you know i have a friend named lee hester runs lee's comics and he says make sure to ask him this because oh okay is there is not much mention of of feldstein al feldstein as your editor and it's like well i guess it was kind of more like a, a love letter to william m Gaines, but yeah, I, I am kind of curious about that because Feldstein kind of gets thrown under the bus, for lack of a better term, as being any sort of part of the history of Mad, you know, these days. It's usually like Kurtzman, and then they kind of skip forward over yeah. those years. What, what was what was your working well, you know, relationship I, 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 with Al? Al's passed on, but let's yeah. just say uh, he was difficult to work with. Okay. And, and, and so that's why. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's why there's not a glowing yes. memoir with him. Okay, you know, that's yeah. fair enough. Um, but I just wanted to also kind of just ask about, because you were actually under four editorships, you know, yes. over at MAD. So I was wondering, <laughs> so I guess that one well, was... Well, well, really three, because Al was editor when I got there. So, I met, right. I mean, I met Wally Wood and uh, who's, the, who's the other head guy? The guy who founded it. Um, Oh, Kurtzman, Harvey Kurtzman? Yeah, 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 Harvey Kurtzman. I met them several times at, at events, but I never worked with them. Right. But I consider, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, the diff- I'll ask you the differences, Ficara Meglin years versus just Ficara by himself, kind of as separate times, a little bit, you know, because it just things changed during those periods. So I'm wondering, how was it working under John Ficara and Nick Meglin versus just John Ficara alone? Um, well, well, Nick was very easy to work with and, uh, John had a lot on his plate because Nick, the reason Bill made them both editors is because there's a lot that goes on with printing schedules and meetings and things that, uh, Nick wants nothing to do with. (laughs) And, and John was able to handle all of that stuff. I mean... I, our offices were uh, for a while across from each other, and he would be on the phone for hours with, you know, uh, executives. Um, so I had more fun with Nick than I did with John because I, John, I think, felt more executive-like, where Nick just thought he was we were there to have fun. So I, I think the difference was there was more fun when it was the two of them, but. Uh, without John, that magazine would have folded years ago because uh, a- after Nick passed on and, and even when Nick left, there there's an awful lot of <laughs> stupidity that goes on at Warner, you know, and, and John, John had a hand. I'll, I'll tell you one is uh, when, when Bill was still there, I had written the book, uh, not, yeah, Mad Murders to Movies with, oh, yeah. with uh, 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 Duck Edwing. And uh, I called, we could buy books at 40% off. And I always, I usually bought a case of them. And so I called the warehouse and said, I want to buy a case of Mad Murders, the movies. And the guy said, well, there are none because it's, um, it's, they've been shredded. And I said, no, not mad. Look at old movies. That's what you're thinking of. That's an old book came out 10 years ago. I think about Mad Murders, the movies with Duck Edwing. He said, no, they're, they're shredded. I said, well, it came out <laughs> two months ago. So I told Bill, and Bill says, let me get on it. And, and Bill calls me, and he goes, yes, they shredded the new book. 
And he said, unfortunately, because everything is done in rotation, we can't reprint it for a year. And I'm thinking, how? And then I was at some Warner meeting. Bill would send me to do a little five-minute crazy thing before he got into the series stuff. And I said, and brand new from Warner is this time-saving device, the printing press that delivers directly to the shredder. No boxing, no shipping. It just is printed and shredded. Anyway. Yeah, so how how John could deal with that kind of stuff is beyond me. I'll get back to the paperbacks because okay. I do have questions about that yeah, whole yeah, process. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the last tenure you were with was briefly, as was everybody at the end, with Bill Morrison. And I was just curious yes. how it – because you were a freelancer, so obviously you weren't in the office, but you are still contributing up to like the 11th yes. issue of things. So how were yeah. those final issues for you or – well, the thing is, we only dealt through emails, and th there were no meetings. And uh, I, I know that once when I finally got through to Bill, uh, I said, Bill, I I've been trying to get you, like, for a, a month now. And he goes, I know, I'm a little backlogged here. Uh, what did you need? I said, you know, I sent in the thing about – I said, oh, I love that. That's fine. That's fine. He said, did you also send in the thing about – monster something i said yeah he said finish that i like that too so when we got together he was fine to work with he was just hard to get a hold of and, and i don't know why because i have no idea uh, what goes on uh, it's probably more of what john has to deal with or had to deal with um so with john i could just walk in and he would say you know do you think you could extend this a page because we wanted the, we wanted to start on the left hand side i was right there so i think that was a big benefit that we could bounce stuff off or um and i you know i could get john's ear any day of the week so uh d doing it long distance was more prob problematic so that leads me to ask and i do have <laughs> written down here had MAD continued to be all new, would you continue writing for it, or were you, like, ready to retire anyway? No, I think I would have continued. Um, you know, I, I am a big person with records, long-going records. You know, I stayed with Match Game from the pilot through the last match game show going off the air, like 18 years in different reincarnations. I wrote a powerboat column because I love boating until the magazine went out, folded, and that was 42 years. And there's, you know about Mad Streaks? Um, Mad Streaks is, oh God, Michael, he's going to kill me for not, and anyway, there was a website called Mad Streaks. And you can go in there and find everybody's, how long they have been in oh, every Oh, okay. Issue. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yes. Well, I, yeah. I, 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 I think I've seen it on Doug Guilford's yes, that Yes, yes. Yeah. yes because Mike, yeah. Michael said, I, I'm going to give this up. And Doug said, oh, my God, that's an incredible resource. Can Will you move it to my website and I'll keep it up? So that's where it is now. Right. Um, and so, you're like in number two spot, number three? I, I, was, I was number one. But now Sergio is number one because Sergio 
Um, I think they're still doing marginals. Yes. Yeah, I new. Mean, marginals in the fold-in in the comfort, yes. Oh, the fold-in is somebody else. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, not now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, but I mean, so, as far as new features, that's all. Yeah, <laughs> but although I'm not continuing, uh, uh, if you wanted to say I'm the longest-running writer, I am. If you throw in longest-running writer artist, then it's Sergio because he does both right <laughs> uh, and and even though they're reprints i'm still in every issue right right uh, right susie who who is in charge now said oh my god dick we want to keep your streak running because you've been around forever so so do you think you still might contribute again on occasion uh, uh, oh if they started new again i probably would okay because yeah. i know occasionally like I think Tom Richmond had a piece in like the most recent issue. Yes, like I think a he did one or two uh, page thing. Yes, so. yeah. So. Now I'm not. I'm not it, it could be two things. It could be things that were in the works when, and it's timely enough to go in now, or maybe he's doing new stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know. Now, how are you told? Was it that infamous email that came out a, <laughs> a couple, three years ago that just? went all over the internet viral because it just yes, said, oh man, yes. it's gone, it's done, you know, and it's like. Yeah, it was, it was pretty devastating. And, and that was just the second most devastating thing. The first was when Bill died and the people from Warner came over and, and said, Bill's dead. Bill put a wall between you and the corporate office He's dead. The wall is coming down. Ooh, ouch. These, oh, it was terrible. Annie Gaines was hysterically crying. She said, this place looks like a high school newspaper, which I, I thought that was a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going you're gonna to move into a corporate situation and uh, you can't, they finally let us do anything we wanted in our offices as long as we would close the door when we left. But they, I mean, they had what you could have on your desk for people. It was, you know, the, the corporate world. I remember at, at Bill's Memorial, the head of Warner Comics or maybe just one entertainment, uh, Bill Sarinoff, said I, I had lunch with Bill one day and said, Bill, what do you think about moving the mad staff into corporate headquarters? And Bill said, would you like to move back in with your parents? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Sarno said, okay, I get the picture. Um, yeah. So that, so, but that was, yes, it was shocking that, uh, and, and then, we pretty quickly got a 40% pay cut. So that was a real, that was a real killer. That was a murderous killer because there's really no other place to sell that stuff. You know? Right. It, well, yeah. All the competition is gone too. You know? Yeah, so exactly. You say, like in the old days when Don Martin went to cracked, you could have done that. Now you can't. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Only ones, um, I just happened to be in Bill's office and the phone rang and he said, yeah, we're I said, hang on a minute. I'll give you an answer. So he puts his hand over the phone. He said, do you want to write movie satires from Muppet magazine? And I said, isn't that the kiss of death? 
that the thing we are not allowed to do, and Bill said, I don't allow it because people are late in their deadlines all the time. I have no problem with you. You're always on time. So if you want to do it, let me tell them. I said, well, yeah, if you're happy with it. So uh, I wrote Satire for them for a year. Um, But you're right, outside of, and I don't even know if my... (laughs) Whatever it is, I doubt if they're doing movie satires. So, yes, yes, it, it was a blow when Bill died, and it was a blow when we moved into corporate headquarters. And then, yes, when we found out it was going, that was that was a killer. And the worst was coming to the office and watching them pry the mad sign off the wall. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, we had the ship of the day that the movies were going to come. The movies came at like 5 a.m. And by the time we got there to rescue stuff, there were boxes floor to ceiling. And John said, where are the issues from the printer that just came in? And they said, well, they're packed up. You'll have, to, you'll have to wait until they unpack them in L.A. and send them back to you. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh boy. <laughs> I think they would have waited for someone from MAD to be there so they could say, this goes. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was not a good thing. Well, I have to say, as a fan, it's, it's sad, too. You know, I'm still a subscriber, but it's like every issue is painful to read because it's like there's only like three new pages. I mean, I guess if you didn't read Mad in a long period of time, it might be interesting because there's a lot of material you hadn't seen. But I have every issue, so it's like, okay, I flip through it and I go, well, there's a fold-in. Oh, there's a couple of Sergio things. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, every once in a while they'll throw in a Wally Wood article or something yeah. from – I started in issue 69. I find something early on. Yeah. I like seeing it. And I rarely read my own stuff. But every once in a while, I'll read something and go, oh, this is not bad. <laughs> do, you ever yeah. do you ever reread your own stuff and say, hey, this guy's good? You did like, forgot you did it. <laughs> every, every once in a while. Um, what was it that I read? And I, I just broke myself up. Uh, I, 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 I can't remember what it was. But I thought, oh, that is, that's, that's funny. That's still... That's still I'll, I'll tell you one thing you wrote, and I have to tell you this. Is, and it, I was because I quickly looked in Doug's website just to say what did what did uh, Dick do here? You know, because I yeah, right. I kind of remember. It, it's like one thing I found out is you did a lot of science fiction movies, like you did uh, Star Trek TV show and some of the movies. You did all the Star Wars movies, at least all the good. Only because I loved gadgets. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They figured this is this is great for Dick. If it was anything to do with marriage or anything, Stan Hart or okay. Larry, because they were both married and had kids. Okay. So uh, you didn't request this. You didn't say, "Oh, this new movie called Star Wars that nobody knows." No, about not not at the out. beginning. Oh. Not at the beginning. Uh, I did request uh, Sully. You know, the movie about the oh, landing yeah. the plane in the Hudson, and and originally. They no one knew how big a movie it was, and and I said to John, uh, I said John, you know the DVD is coming out in a Christmas packaging, 
you know, if we jump on it now, because I just seen it in, in one of the trades, like in July or something, I said, we could have the satire on the stands for the December issue, and it would tie in because they evidently have many millions of dollars set aside for pushing this as a Christmas gift. And he said, oh, okay, we'll then do it. And that was, I think that's one of my most favorite satires because you got to, I used to do a lot of flying, and you got to poke fun at entitlement, you know, like when it lands in the huts and someone said, oh, is this an excuse now? There's going to be no lunch? And, and someone said, do we get three miles, frequent flyer miles for from landing from the sky to the river? And, and then someone else is asking, what part of the wing is first class? So it, it, was, it was just a fun thing to write. I was ironically in New York for an art show. The, the same time that actual Hudson River thing happened, I, I had flown in the day before. And oh. then and I was watching it on the news with everybody else, and I'm like, oh, my God, that could have been me, you know, because <laughs> it was just, like, hours well, later. You know? It happened behind my back. I was leaving the marina, and someone said, did you see that? <laughs> it was Air, what was the company? Air, uh, what was the, the uh, airline? Um I can't even remember it. <laughs> anyway, I said, oh, yeah, they have helicopters all the time. And she said, no, a full-size jet. So I ran out uh, onto the breakwater, and I said, oh, my God, there it is. <laughs> and it was it had already landed, but it was in the middle of the Hudson River. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the, the office uh, came out and said, don't anybody leave the marina to try and help because they, uh, a lot of professional help is on the way and they don't want um, little boats in the way. So no one went down from the marina. But yeah, <laughs> I really missed the spectacular sight by about 30 seconds. <laughs> now, in going through your stuff, I, like I said, a lot of science fiction parodies. And yes. one of my favorites is uh, your version of the Lost in Space TV show called Loused Up in Space and just the cliffhanger where they're all sweating and perspiring and then why not open the window? <laughs> I just <laughs> yeah. love that. It's like I read that years ago and I just yeah. said that's well, the perfect encapsulation of a kind of a dumb science fiction show. <laughs> yeah, and I got a great compliment on that. Um, we're, we're both bad on names. Do you remember the woman who was the star of that show? Oh, June okay. Lockhart. Yeah, June Lockhart. Yeah. Okay, June Lockhart is on Match Game. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I said, June, I'm going to run over to Mad because my satire of your show is in the issue that's coming out next week, and I'll get you a copy. So I came back and I gave her a copy, and on one of the breaks, she read it and she said do you know anybody in the script department? And I said, I don't know nobody anything. She said, this plot of yours <laughs> is so close to what's on the board that we're going to be filming in two months. I said, well, that's the ultimate compliment because movie satires are easy. You satirize their plot. Right, but right. TV satires, you have to watch like five or six weeks of shows to see how they're constructed and then make up a crazy plot. So her saying it, it read like one of their stories, I thought that's pretty good. 
that's cool. So, yeah. <laughs> then the other one was the Star Trek one, Star Bleh, and then had oh, like the, uh, the transporter and had like, oh, that, his arm yeah, coming out. Of yes, his people ears. remember that the hand yeah. on the yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. in tandem with all the editors you worked with, and you mentioned it already, you know, yeah. Even if you didn't go in, if you're a freelance, you probably went into the offices occasionally. Did you ever work at Lafayette at all, or no? No. Okay. No, so I know. I, I started at an office that people don't even know about. Uh, they were on Third Avenue for a very short time. Yeah. Um, and I knew it because it was the Girl Scouts building. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's a big logo out front. That's where the Girl Scouts or the Scouts, I guess, maybe both boys and girls. Um, it was something Third Avenue, maybe 853rd Avenue. Uh, I went there a few times, but when I actually got a job going in um, every week, one or two days, they were already at 485 Madison. Right, and that's the famous address. In a oh way. my yeah. gosh, yeah. 485 <laughs> Mad. Right. Avenue. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, on the third one, I'm just curious, was that too small? Is that what was going on Why you had to move to Madison? Or was the attraction of Madison Avenue the, the real lure to get you over on that address? Oh, well, Bill, want, Bill, is, Bill is very funny. Bill wanted, he said, I originally tried to get the Empire State Building office that the plane crashed into. <laughs> and he said, no, they have a long-term lease on that. Then he said, I told the agent, no matter what, where we are, it has to be the 13th floor. And he said, you would be surprised how many buildings don't have a 13th floor. Right. <laughs> and so that was the attraction for Bill. Uh, and yeah, it was very crowded there. And I, I once said, you know, shouldn't we have more space? And he goes, no. I said, why not? He said, because the more space you have, the more crap you'll bring in. Look at this. Everybody here is, no one throws anything out. So one day, Bill called everybody together and he said, okay, I just renewed the lease. The rent went up quite a bit, but the leasing company said, that the offices next door, it was one gigantic room, is for some reason unrentable. And along with the rent increase, we can have that room. So I just want to know if anybody needs more space and why they need it. And I said, me, me, me. He said, why? I said, I want to have trains. If I could have two desks back to back, I could have trains. And Bill said, well, that's okay. All right, oh, there's one. So Dick has two desks. Who else? But anyway, um, and, and knowing how PR works, I called um, Atlas. They make HO trains. And I said, would you like, guys like to have a model railroad uh, in, at the Mad Magazine offices? And they said, would we? What do we need? <laughs> I said, I'll, I'll measure my two desks back to back and send me a layout. So they did. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I actually, 485 Madison Avenue is where Bill was his final resting, it's where he passed on. And that, that's when Warner came over and said. And then you moved to Broadway, and I'm sure that oh. was totally different. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. We were... I think people didn't, 
they one day they realized all the artwork on the walls that we moved into 17 was the original artwork so they came and they took it all away and with the uh, purpose of an auction which I believe raised like more than three million dollars and they everything was copied so that they could rehang everything and it would look the same but it wouldn't be the original art anymore but in the interim it was like three months there was nothing on the walls and somebody came out and hung a stapler on, and the nails are there someone hung a stapler on it and maybe a scarf and then someone said oh okay and they went in and they hung some thing and then john Ficarra called me and said told me what's going on and he said there are like 30 nails in the conference room <clears throat> you have so much crap in your office can you be responsible for hanging crap in this conference room I said, oh yeah that'd be great uh, so later on I heard that upstairs they're saying you should see that what the people at Mad magazine did they trashed the hallways it's a disaster down there we thought it was pretty we thought it was pretty cunning it was like an odd exhibition but that's our sensibility <laughs> so yeah it, it sounds like it's never the same now were you a freelancer? Um, when did you become the creative consultant? Is that, that was what roughly? That was what, when uh, when Bill hired Nick and John. Oh, okay. He he said, you know, I'd like to have you on staff. He did said, he ever no, offered you to be the editor, or did you ever want something like that? Oh no, no. <laughs> I was no. just curious. Okay. No, even when I was writing Match Game, someone said, you know, as a writer. There's a limit to how much they'll pay you, but you know, do you want to? We're doing some new game shows. We'd like to be a producer. I said, "What are you kidding me? Hire and fire people? No, and and go to meetings? <laughs> no, no, never wanted to be an editor." Well, even as creative consultant, didn't you say in your book you only wanted to come in like once a week, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, once a week or two two days, uh, two different half days a week. Or if they were doing something special, I would come in for it. But it was it was it was great. It was. Did you do much different as that, or is it just a title? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, yes. It was the thing for me to do was to think of ways to promote Mad that. You know, we had something called the Mad Minutes. Do you remember seeing yeah. anything about it? Yeah. Like okay. Yeah, it was bit. a way to yeah free, free advertising. And I remember John John Ficarra once said that I've done more for Mad than than the Mad Ad Department, a uh, PR <laughs> department, because if I was over at ABC and I could see, I remember the movie reviewer. Uh, I said, you know, I can send you some Mads, and and she said, if there's a way to work it in, she called me one day. She said, you know, I want to show, is this, can I show this cover during my review? And I said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And then they made a 30-second spot for the overnight news that I was on. Um, <laughs> it was a story about Ted Koppel, but on the screen was Alfred E. Newman. And, <laughs> and uh, they said, is this okay with you? I said, it's okay with me. What the hell is Ted Koppel going to say? And they said... <laughs> Oh. We don't know. Maybe maybe he'll think it's funny. Maybe he won't. But we don't care. Mm -hmm. So so uh, I I did get a a lot of ways to promote Mad. 
So I, um, I asked earlier um, about the paperbacks, and you started talking about the one that was shredded. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always wanted to know, because they, they always talk about how the magazine was put together in every book that I ever read about the history of man, but they don't really talk about the paperbacks, um, other than maybe the compilation ones where they're just right. reprinting old articles. So for you as a writer, I know there's a different royalty scale and everything like yes. that, but how did you get a paperback published? Like if you had an idea, did they come to you? Did you go to Bill? How did that work? You would go to you would go to Bill and say, Bill, I have an idea for a paperback. And he said, don't tell me now. Let me look at the schedule. Um, he would say, uh, Frank uh, is ahead of you and Larry Siegel has an idea. So I can schedule a book for you uh, in July, whatever it is. And he said, and I said, well, what do I do for the first time? He said, you write a three-page outline and just, you know, what the book's going to be like in a little sample, and then I'll get your contract. And along the line, Bill said, you know, I used to get a, a $3,000 advance. And he said, then 4000 I got you 5000 I said, well, how do you do that? And he said, I do that because... No one reads contracts. And I realized that I can put anything I want in a contract and they'll sign it. So I figured, well, they signed a contract for $4,000. i will make your contract $5,000. Um, <clears throat> and the, so I got a $5,000 advance. And famously, you probably know it, that one contract Bill has with Warner says that I, William M. Gaines, retain the right to be unreasonable, <laughs> which, which is written into the contract because no one reads it. So Bill was great. Bill was great at manipulating the corporate world. It was, <laughs> he was just, just tremendous. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, so once you had an idea, I mean, obviously you had to keep your regular mad magazine articles going so I oh mean, yes you just yeah, kind of yeah. do this in your spare time like let's just say uh mad look at tv i think that was your third book or something yeah. like that you had you know, six so. months okay you had from from the time you got your advance to the time you had to deliver the manuscript was six months yeah uh <clears throat> and fortunately nick meglin edited all my books okay. so uh as we went along um, I could show him stuff if I didn't, if I, w I wanted to say, is this funny? Is this not? And when I got fairly far along, we would have a meeting with uh, me and whoever. And, and it's very funny because my first book, luckily, was uh, More Truck on Jack Davis. And I was, this is my first book. And Jack Davis, Nick says, come up Friday. Jack's going to come in and we'll go over this. So, Jack comes in, and Jack has the script we sent him. And Nick said, oh, and I guess he has the, uh, uh, they're not called, they're not the blue lines. Anyway, it, it's outlines. It, it, it's a bare bones thing of what the page might look like. Uh, okay, and Nick said, you know, Jack, this, this looks crowded. Could you take these two people, put them on a separate page? And then the rest of the team over here, and Jack said, oh, yeah, I, I can do that. And he, we do Jack's entire half of the book like that. 
And then Jack has to go to the bathroom. And Nick turns to me, did I tell you he's a prick? And I said, what? He, I, I, he's tough to work with. I, I, again, you know, just, it's just Nick having fun with you because, thinking, oh my God. I'm thinking, what? As far hell? as I know, Jack Davis is a sweetheart. I talked to him once on the phone. Oh my God. Jack was, he was, he was great. Yeah, no, but it was very, it was, you learned how to uh, deal with that sensibility, you know. Right. I, I remember once Bill took us to uh, Tahiti. If you sold Mad 25 pages of published material, you got a free trip. Um, and that's because you never got money for a Mad special, which was your material. And so Bill said, so I take the income from the thing and I divide it up. And if you're, you had 25 pages republished, you're entitled to this trip. So he takes us to Tahiti and we're, we're staying in huts that are on water you can see 30 feet down. And then hundreds of people come to the shore because the sunsets are unbelievable. And we're sitting there. And I turned to Bill and said, where did you find this hell hole to drag us to? And Bill says, what kind of a brain do you have that with all this splendor, even the word hell hole comes to your mind? And it was just it was just a thing we had to never be happy with anything Bill did. And, and it was just a funny thing to do. <laughs> So back on the paperbacks a moment, yeah, sorry we will that. talk about the trips too, but um, ob an obvious choice for like Mad Look at the Movies is, you know, Mort Drucker and Jack Davis. Yes, but, yes. But I mean, did you get to choose who did the artwork for your books? Uh, no. Or, okay. So no, no. Be because the John and Nick knew what pieces they were working on for the magazine and, and who uh, Davis was faster than Drucker. I knew that Drucker needed a week a page. Okay, so if he was doing a six-page satire, he was unavailable for six weeks to work on a paperback. Um, so you didn't you didn't get uh, a, a choice of artist. Because like your later ones, it seemed like they're always Duck Edley. You know? um, <laughs> no, yeah, I never did uh, with. With the paperbacks, I did like. Yeah, yeah, like but I mean, said, that's what I meant. It's like yeah. you know, the later ones, you got Duck Edwing, you know. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. said, you, then, uh, I, you know, I said, can I work with Duck on this? Oh, okay. okay. So you did oh. ask on him. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And then I think one of them, Leisure Time, is it George Woodbridge you got or something? Like uh, that? yes, and yeah. and um, uh, Ange and stories. Oh, okay. Did right, and, and the funny thing is, oh, like. Uh, uh, oh, okay. There's going to be a uh, thing at the society, uh, a, some illustrations of of uh, Ange and stuff. And so, someone called me and said, "How many things did you do with Ange?" And I said, "You know, I'm not sure. Probably a couple dozen." So I went on to Mad, uh, to Mad Cover Site, and it, it, it's amazing. You can pick an artist and then pick a writer. And when I picked Ange and me, 
we did 96 articles together. <laughs> okay. Typically, so, those are TV satires, right? That yes, it, yes, it was a mad look at TV. Yeah. Well, you, you but I mean, TV satires in the magazine, too, you know? Like, yes, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. I mean, you do and, work and, with Drucker, too, and stuff. But yes, yeah. yes. And every once in a while, um, uh, I did a movie with uh, Paul Coker, mm-hmm. and I did a movie with, with uh, uh, Don. Don Martin. Uh, yeah. Don Martin. Yeah. With Gentle Ben. Right. <laughs> Nick, Nick said, you know, we're going to have Don do this. And I go, really? And they go, well, there are no likenesses. <laughs> oh, it's right. a bear. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that's that's a great idea. And that was one of my questions going to be about uh, paperbacks is you did a lot of work for Don Martin on his paperbacks, yes. typically with Captain Klutz. Uh, but a few other things like, I think, Star Spangled Bananas and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, But... Um, was that your choice or was that Don's choice? How did that work to work with him on those books? It was, uh, Bill would, would call you and he goes, you want to write some, um, some stuff with Don? And I, I said, yes. And I think Don wanted to do a whole book. And, and Bill said, here's the thing. Even if you write the whole book, I don't want your name on the cover. Hmm. He said, it'll be a way better seller without your name. And I said, can I have my name in little type at the bottom? And he said, oh, that we can do. He said, but it should be Don Martin so-and-so. Right. And then at the bottom, I think it says, with the help of Dick D. Bartolo. But, but I mean, I, I, I had no problem with that because, you know, he's, he's the drawer there, his artwork. So Now, on all those paperbacks, I think um, in the case of Don Martin, they own their paper, or Norma Martin does. So, I mean, do you have access to the material you wrote that you could actually take it and print it somewhere else, or you're just like... Eh. We both did that, because yeah. Norma Norma said, I am taking the artwork. I Don owns the artwork right. for so-and-so. And they had someone write another book right. to, that, to his artwork. Yeah. And then I took the script and... I forgot who illustrated. Someone illustrated it. Oh, so you did reuse it. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. And then the other question is, and I've asked Sergio about this before when I met him in L.A., but you know, he's so fast and so, keeps working and everything. He has no time to really look back all that much. But I mean, right? Um, what's the status of the paperbacks, like the like the nine you did that you own? I mean. Could you put them out again, or do you have restrictions on it? You probably couldn't put the mad name on it. But no, you, you, no, you can't. Um, so, but can you put them out again? Like, could you say Dick DeBartolo's mad, uh, Dick DeBartolo looks at old movies as opposed to mad look at old movies? You know what? That's interesting. You know, I don't know. Okay. Because I, I, I know I, Sergio, what he said is, yeah, I could put that stuff out, but I'm working on so many things, I don't even think about that. And so, you know, you know a lot of these paperbacks, they're just harder and harder to find because everybody's yeah. up, and they've been oh, out of print the, for 30 yeah. years, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. When Warner, when Warner took over, they said all the paperbacks are dead. That was a huge part of my income. Right. <laughs> so and, that's what I was wondering. Can you do them again? You know? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> so that, that died and then uh, a 40% pay cut. So that was... <laughs> and was, you still work for... <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? 
you, you have to think about the family. When Bill died, I thought, you know, I'm just this is a perfect time to get out because we're going to be facing the corporate world or something. And Bill died in June, and uh, Comic Con was, I think, August. And I was booked to be there at the booth. And the number of people who said, oh, don't let Mad die, I thought, you know what? What the hell? How bad can it be? Well, it's pretty bad, but... Uh, no, I'm glad you stayed on. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but, um, thank you. The one thing I was kind of curious about, you, you touched on something now, and I can't um, remember it is here. Uh, let's see. I'll get to. I'll get back to it. It's on my list here of things to ask you. But <laughs> there's okay. Other um, this is more about TV, and I'm just kind of curious because okay. um, when you started working for Match Game and to tell the truth and all those TV shows yep. like that, did they approach you, or did you just want? like additional income or how did that come about to get into those areas? Uh, a, a friend of mine who worked at Goodson Todman uh, called me and he said, listen, we have a, a, a silly show and you work at MAD and uh, it's called a match game. And can you come in and watch us do some run throughs? And I did. And uh, I started writing uh, questions for them. And then it was a one year contract and not many people know this, but Mad started out, the the questions were, uh, name a yellow flower, name a president who appears on money, name something that cost a dollar. And 10 months in, Goodson called me in and said, um, NBC is not picking up the contract. He said, you have two months of shows to do, but I'm just giving you a heads up if you want to start looking around for work. And I said, okay. And then over the weekend, I'm thinking, you know, these questions are really dreary. <laughs> um, so I went back to Goodson on Monday and I said, Mark, I have a, an idea for different kind of questions. Uh, he said, okay, what? I said, Mary liked to pour gravy on John's blank. So... <laughs> Goodson laughs, and he goes, well, what would they say? I said, well, they're going to laugh like you did, and then they're going to say potatoes, meatloaf, and if they, if, and you'll get matches. And he said, it's canceled. They can't cancel it twice. Just do what you want. <laughs> um, so I started doing those, and then it was a month later when he called me, and he goes, all right, keep writing that way because NBC's in for another year. Um, and so that, uh, and it just kept going. And then he, he said, listen, I'm moving a lot of stuff to California. I'll move you out there. I said, Mark, Mad's here. I'm in, I'm a native New Yorker. He said, well, I'm keeping my office. He, he had, I had a great office. I had an office in the Seagram building, a corner office on the 30th floor. He said, you can keep your office. Um, so um, I would just write the questions and send them out. Your story uh, sounds similar to Stan Lee with Marvel Comics, where it was kind of going down the dumpster, and then they, uh, Stan's wife, I think, said, why don't you just write what you want? And he came up with, like, Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and all those characters. Because yeah, yes, he's yes, suddenly yeah. writing what he wants to do rather than what he's yes, told to write. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, now and the, the rest is, is history in the same way. Yes, <laughs> yeah. 
But maybe maybe Stan had remembered to take a portion to, to get a. If Goodson had given me one percent, that that's how things worked. You, you, if you did things, you got a percent. You know, if I had one percent of the match game, oh my God! I because it exists today. Yeah, um, true. But I gave myself eighteen years of employment, so that's pretty good. Now, what did Bill and everyone think? For you working there, was he okay with that? Or? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I got him on. I, I got him on to tell the truth. And, right. I've seen that on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I got no. him. I got him on sixty. I, I got that piece on sixty minutes. Hmm. Uh, I, I, actually, that came via Mad because Parker Brothers came up to uh, Mad to want to do a game. Right. And, and and Bill said, look, uh, Bill's very shrewd. Bill said, look, I'm very interested in uh, working with Parker Brothers. What I don't want is for you to go back and have some game that didn't sell. And you're going to say, Mad Magazine Presents. He said, you have to bring me a mad game. And they did really well because Mad's a satire of Monopoly. Yeah. That's a great um, game. I, I yeah, played it yeah, many times. Yeah. So even. yeah, and then at a meeting they said, "Is there anybody at Mad who could go on on tour with the Mad uh, game?" And he said, "Him." Him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I went on tour for four months with this guy Roy, Roy, Roy Brunette. and one day, like a, a year later, Roy Brunette said, "Dick, guess where I work?" I said, "Where?" He said. I do PR for 60 minutes. I said, oh, my God, you need to get mad on. And he goes, well, let's pitch some ideas. I pitched ideas for, like, years. And finally, I think it was Mad's 30th anniversary or yeah, something that they said, yeah. And Bill called me in and said, okay, so they want me on 60 minutes. I said, yeah, I know, I helped. And he said, what's the downside? I said, Bill, are you a crook? <laughs> because they're gonna find out. He said no. He said I. He, I, I just knew from Bill's dealings. He was yeah. so freaking honest. Uh, I said, Bill, there was no downside. Uh, so they did it. I watched that back then. It was great. Piece, yeah, you know, yeah, it, was, so. it was. It was great fun. It was great fun. Um, now, a couple of your colleagues, like Arnie Kogan, Stan Hart, Larry Siegel, they all work for things like the Carol Burnett show. Did you ever work for that? I don't think you did, or no, similar no, shows. No, but it's very funny because Larry called me and said, one of the writers is leaving. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pitch you to uh, work on the Carol Burnett show. And I said, well... I'm going to be out in Hollywood for match game. I'm going to, I'm going out for the pilot. He said, okay, great. Oh, you'll be a television city. So come over and he gave me the days that they were typing. And I went over uh, and I met Carol just sitting in the audience. And, and Carol said, so, so you work at mad? I said, yeah, I work with Stan and Larry. And she said, oh, you got the job. She said, <laughs> Mad Stan Larry, she said, um, call in August and we'll set something up for the fall season. Well, but, but her show didn't get renewed, so uh, it never happened. But it was close. Oh, so you but were at the, okay tail, because, you were at the uh, tail end of her series. That you yes, were on exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's yes. interesting because I was thinking, was there any other variety shows or any other non-game shows that you worked for 
during those years? Um, no. So you were more of a game show guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I found my question. I was going to say, um, what I noticed working on my book is it seemed like in the old days, especially when you started, Mad was like a destination. And then later of, and th this is why there's more rotation of the usual gang of idiots. Right. It was more of a stepping stone to something else. So a lot of the later people that joined Mad would only work at Mad a few years and then they'd go on to become working at Nickelodeon or they'd put out children's books. So they'd do something different and they wouldn't stick with MAD. Why, I think do you think that of, Why do you think that changed? You know what? I think a lot of them started out as interns and then decided, and, and they worked out great as an intern. And so they would, Bill would say, you want to work here? You keep working here until something else comes up. So I think they worked there while looking to do something else. And, and also, the opportunity to do other things as time went on got more and more possible. You know, there, back then, if you didn't work for the uh, five networks, there was no place to go. And then there was, as you said, there was Nickelodeon and, there, and, and then self-publishing and, and also... Um, Charlie Kochman, who worked for Warner Brothers, went off and started, I forgot who, what pub, he works for a giant publisher. He got a lot of mad writers into doing books. Um, so there, I think there was just way more opportunity. And I don't know, maybe some of the people thought it was a closed shop to be doing seven page things. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, like in your day when you started and you got into Match Game, Right. You know, why did you stick with Mad? I mean, wouldn't you oh, say, bye-bye, Mad, I'm in match game. I'm in big TV time now or whatever. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> because, only because people were more impressed with Mad, especially guys. I, I remember my, my favorite thing was I was on a flight to I don't know where, and I had my Mad pin on. I always wore a Mad pin. And... The guy said, you work for man? I goes, yeah. And I gave him my card. He said, you're Dickie Bartola? I said, yeah. He said, well, you belong in first class. I mean, he just upgraded me. <laughs> wow. That stick with man, too. <laughs> yes. And then another time, I was in L.A., and Sid Caesar was appearing in um, um, some sort of a Gilbert and Sullivan thing. And, and I went to the box office, and, and the guy said, no, oh, the show's just sold out. It's, it's only a one-month run that Sid is in it. And I said, oh, my God, it breaks my heart. Uh, the reason I, I started working for MAD was because of Sid. And he goes, you work for MAD? Uh, I gave him a card, and he said, is the house seat okay? <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, yes, sir. I get out my wallet. He goes, no, this is my treat. So those were the... Two times I thought, holy criminy. <laughs> you know what? Bill called me in one day and said, Dick, I am in such trouble. I said, what's wrong? He said, Annie and I, every anniversary, eat at the so-and-so. Some ritzy, famous thing. And he said, I didn't make a reservation in their fall. I said, did you, did you tell them who you are? And he goes, what the hell do they care? The publisher are mad? I said, oh, give me the freaking phone number. Uh, so I go in and I get the manager's name and I said, listen, I work for Mad. There's a big problem here. The publisher 
of mad eats every anniversary at your restaurant he forgot to make a reservation what time you what time do you want to come in <laughs> so i went back to bill i said billy what time you want to go he said you don't have it i said just tell me the time so he didn't think he was anything right. special yeah it's just funny because you know i know it has the clout but at the same time you might just have grandiose ideas oh tv movies and just uh, leave it behind. But, you know, again, we met, I mentioned Stan Hart, Larry Siegel. Even though they were writing for Carol Burnett, they continued on with Mad as well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, yes, there's something. Mad, fan, mad fans are, are great, They're like yourself. They know stuff. You know, the word, if I get in an interview and it starts with, oh, what's that? What's the kid with the tooth? Uh, Albert somebody i go this is going to be one freaking disaster but like with you you say oh yeah oh yeah you did that with uh, uh don martin then then you know you're on solid ground well, i've so been a reader Matt, since 1974 so that's where wow. i started then my dad read it and he's still around uh he read the first 23 kurtzman issues so and then the yeah. first magazine yeah, Matt, he didn't like it as a magazine <laughs> <laughs> so oh well he so he never saw your stuff until i started reading it in the 70s yeah. so, you know, but, no the um, same with the same with doug with mad cover site can you yeah. imagine what a undertaking that is i mean yeah. you could spend days there yeah well, it's been very helpful. I, I've given credit. He's also from Oregon, too, which is kind of interesting. Yes. Here. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was uh, just curious. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. What, what type of articles did you like writing best? Was it the satires or was it the other stuff you did that wasn't TV or movie satires? You know, I, I loved writing ads. I loved writing uh, uh, ad, ad copy and and movies sometimes uh, movies were fun the uh, the thing i liked the least was writing uh tv satires <laughs> and especially if you had to write a tv satire of a of a funny show and they would ask you to do it if if the show was a, a really big hit as a matter of fact one day we had alan alda on match game and he said can i talk to you seriously about something i said yeah and he said I think Mad did a real hatchet job on MASH. <laughs> I, I didn't write it. I think Larry Siegel did. He said, I, 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 I said, listen, Alan, I said, it's a big problem for Mad to do satires on comedies. I said, first of all, you should be flattered because Mad only does things that are in the top 10 for months, if not years because then we know that people know the show. If your show is funny, we almost have to manufacture things that are wrong with the show to get a joke going. I said, so there is nothing personal uh, in our satires. It's just that we want to have you in the magazine. And he said, oh, you know what? He said, okay, I'm so glad I talked to you because I was nursing this grudge, but now I sort of see it from the writer's perspective and, and, and uh, Mad's perspective. So that was like the only complaint that I know of that uh, someone's really unhappy. I would think the hard part about writing a TV satire, especially a situation comedy also, is let's use like Happy Days, for example. 
know, Fon, Fonzie wasn't a major character the first couple seasons. Right. And if you did your satire then, which I think you did it after Fonzie became prominent, but let's say you did it early on, and then the show's changes its focus and shift. And now Cracked used to do like 10 satires of MASH or Happy Days or whatever. It would switch, but Mad one time only, and that was it. So if a show like MASH is on for 11 years, you know, you're doing yeah. a satire and it has major burns and it has, you know, all those people that were not on the show by the tail end of it, you know, yes. it's like, well, you know. Yes. Well, it, we, had that once, it. Sorry. Yeah. we had it once with the cover. Yeah. Um, with um, all the justices. Oh, what the, I, I forgot. Anyway, they had added a new character. Oh, was this and, the L.A. Law one? Yes, L.A. Yeah. Law. <laughs> and I remember had, the photo. They sent it in. The yes, new guy. New guy. Yes. yes. But also, what a compliment it was yeah. for them to get, you know, because of the TV series, you just go in the hours that they need you. Yeah. Uh, for them to get Everybody in the cast in one place at one time to shoot that photo was really, we were thrilled with that. Yeah. That, that was great. But I mean, like what I said about TV shows, is that hard to do when, you know, if, a sh if you do a satire of a show and then well, you know just the focus and then you're like, well, it's there, but it's dated <laughs> now or whatever. You know? <laughs> well, you, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you're going to really look terrible when they reprint it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, that that's... Some of them still hold up to me. Like one of my favorites, and here's a show that's been on for 50 years, right. and it's changed total format, total cast, everything, is Mad's Reality Street, you know, and it's Parody of Sesame Street. And you wrote that, and it's yeah. like, it's still funny, even though none of the characters are on the show <laughs> yeah. anymore. Ernie and Bird, I guess, are Big Bird, but, you know, it's like it's really right. a totally different show. But, you know, it's like. Every time I read it, you know, it's like five easy pieces, you know, things like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Well, let's start counting and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, let's see. So um, I think recently you were talking on Facebook about not being on David Letterman, but you auditioned a few times. Yes, yes. And if you want to repeat the story, you can for the benefit of the viewers. But the... Um, were there any other TV shows like that that you were rejected from over the years? I'm just kind of curious. No, let's see. No one. No, not that I know. I, I, I sort of want, I thought it would be great to be on Letterman, and, and that's why I went back three times. Um, no, the, the thing is, people see your work, and I assume that when they call you, they sort of want you to do it because they saw you, what you do. But I didn't, I'm so glad that that woman explained why you know after i i said that this is three times can you please tell me what what is wrong here and then she you know said the thing that he needs somebody to make jokes about and you unfortunately know what you're doing so <laughs> <laughs> i still would have tried but that's me you know yeah. <laughs> anyway but you did end up being on Regis and Kathy Lee at least once. I don't know if, how many. Oh times. my God! I was on for monthly. I've been on ABC monthly for twenty-five years. Oh wow! Between Regis, Good Morning America, okay, yeah, you've been and on. World News Now. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. So once but, a month. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there is a place for you. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. World News Now is great because. Yeah. Um, 
They're very, you know, it's the overnight news. Yeah. And, and then, of course, you're on Stu's show, our friends, mutual friends, oh, yeah, Stu's show yeah. stack uh, with your gadgets, like, at yes. least once a year. I don't know if you Yes, know yeah. He, we, we do uh, a Christmas best of and worst of. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's great. He's Let me go on that for a second. So you do all the gadget stuff. That's kind of your thing now. How did that come about originally? I just love gadgets. Oh, I, I know how. Um, Barbara Griff was a producer on To Tell the Truth. And she went over to our local Channel 5, which I think back then was Metro Media. And she called me up and she said, look, I'm doing a, I'm doing a show with Bill Boggs. And um, it's a magazine show. We have a chef and we have a pet person and we have a cook. But do you still have all those gadgets in the office? And would you ever consider uh, just coming over and, and showing some gadgets? And I said, all right. Can I be funny? She said, you can do anything you want. Just remember, you have to impart some uh, uh, some true information. Um, so I did it. And a couple of weeks later, she said, you know, people uh, like that, that spot. Do you have more gadgets? I said, oh, do I? Uh, so I did it two more times. And she just said, can you do this every week? And I said, yeah. Um, and, and then from there, I got a call from the Regis show. And then from Regis, uh, one of the uh, ABC execs uh, said, are you under contract to him? <laughs> I said, no, I'm under verbal contract to do it once a week. He said, uh, you want to do Good Morning America? And I said, uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. And he said, okay. So um, I, I went over there. So... Yeah. Um, now, were you ever on 60 Minutes another time, or is it just that one time? Just the one time. Oh, okay. It seems like yeah. you're on again, but maybe it was a different show that I was saying. No, <laughs> yeah, probably something else. You're on every week. I'm <laughs> on every week. Anyway. <laughs> Actually, it would be kind of funny, you know? It's like, uh, what's-his-face isn't on the show anymore, uh, Andy Rooney. You could be do something. Oh, yes, Andy Rooney. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dick segment. But going back to the gadgets, um, do you? how do you get them? Do you just uh, look on... Yes. The internet well, I, just find goofy things to purchase? or Well, I go to, uh, go to a lot of trade shows, okay? Uh, the Consumer Electronics Show, oh, okay. uh, the Hardware Show. Um, and, and after a while, you, you just get to know a lot of PR people. And, and, but lately, uh, if it's cheap, being $40 or less, I just buy it. Hmm. Because... I got really tired of dealing with PR people who say, well, be sure you say this. Be sure yeah. you say that. <laughs> why, did, why did you say the battery life is just six hours? It's, it's six hours, but don't say just. Say the battery life. It, and I'm, thinking, <laughs> I'm freaking giving you free publicity here. and. Yeah. Anyway, so now, do you I, buy everything or you just buy the ones that strike your fancy? What, what do you, uh, what's your criteria? I, I, I buy things that are stupid because okay. uh, on the Gizwish show, yeah. it's fun to, to show stupid things. And, and when you buy them, you can show how stupid they are. Sometimes you'll buy something stupid that turns out to be really nice. Um, yeah, so, but after 30 years, I'm sure I've never been taken off any PR email list um i mean I, I get at least 200 emails a day uh yeah i 
just pitching. I mean, they don't care where they went. You know, uh, are you interested in uh, oil well drigging bits? Uh, <laughs> a little bit out of my line. So, yeah, but you just you just have resources after you do it a long time. Going back to mad, just a few mad things I'm just kind of curious about. Yeah. So um, I think we mentioned, hopefully not before the show, but if, we'll mention it again, the Mad Minutes. So uh, that was kind of like your baby, right, the Mad yes. Minutes thing? Yes. And you basically, if I remember reading about it in your book, I think it was in your book, it was, it was in some other Mad book about yeah. Mad, uh, that you kind of produced this big amount of them like 400 or 700 yeah like, yes so yes. where are they now and is do you have the rights to them can you put them out again or do they have you know no what use i probably you know i probably do because yeah. because and the funny thing with bill and, and this is kind of interesting i don't i don't know if i had it in the book or not uh so bill got a call from a pr agency that they wanted to buy the mad minutes they wanted to make it 45 seconds and then sell it with a 15-second commercial. Um, and so we had a meeting with those people, and Bill said, look, Dick owns the Mad Minutes. Um, is he going to write them all? And the guy said, well, we thought we'd write some. And Bill said, all right, he'll be the producer. If it's all right with Dick, it's an automatic all right from me. Uh, and they said, okay. So they they produced a, um, a demo tape for Bill with um, Gary Owens, you know, from Laughing, and um, an orchestra. And I thought it was amazing. And I played it for Bill, and Bill said, I don't not like these. I loathe these. I said, I said, Billy, he goes, mad, mad is your voice. And Dennis on his crappy Casio organ, that's mad. Yeah. I don't want uh, uh, an announcer. I don't want an orchestra. What? <laughs> so, so that's where, uh, so I just kept, uh, kept producing them. And, and it was really a kind of a good idea. That was like part of the creative consultant is to mail them to little radio stations that have no budget and they would just play them. And uh, the only thing would be, this is, there wasn't even an ad. This is a mad minute from mad magazine. That that's the whole ad. Yeah. And we did it for years. So, like I said, any chance of them being reissued some way, somehow, no, I don't I, know. <laughs> I, I don't Who would know want them other than me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I know, know a few of them were, uh, it was either the CD-ROM or the DVD-ROM version. I know they put a few of them yes, on there. Yes, yes. And I thought yeah. that was all of them. And then I found out 700 oh, no, or whatever are, it was. Like, are, how, holy cow, how many did you do? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, there, <laughs> there, are, there are hundreds of them. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I just posted something online and the guy said, what are you writing new Mad Minutes? I, I, I forgot what it was. It was Alfco's new company. I forgot what it was. You can make uh, it, actually, uh, it was funny. I was writing one today. You could reissue um, them as you know, Dick's, Dick's podcast and then just be a minute-long podcast and it's <laughs> oh, they, you know, that's not a bit. That's not one a, a bad one idea. a week or something. One a, yeah, one a year. That, that, that's uh, not a bad idea. Um, I'm always curious about this. 
and I don't think you were involved with these, but I think you were there. Is when Mad did those kind of uh, rock and roll albums in the early '60s. Mad twists rock and roll and Fink along with Mad, things like that. Yeah, you know what? Um, I don't even remember them. I I did the Mad Disco thing. That yeah, was that was later. But yeah, I mean, was, I, yeah. I guess I can ask about that as well because I was going to ask about that. But on right. those earlier ones, I mean, is there a reason why they don't reissue them? today or is it because they're kind you know of dated i don't or, know, you know I, I think norm blagman owns the rights to them okay. and i think norm has passed on and i don't know who owns the rights but i put something from disco mad up on youtube and it got a strike instantly oh, okay. from, so you don't really own the mad disco stuff either. no i don't okay. i don't so i kind of thought that was your baby again that you but well, you came up I, with the idea didn't you yeah, yeah yeah no i had written several things and and this is like one thing with Al is I, I went into Bill. I said, Bill, disco is so hot. And I've written six disco things for Al. And he doesn't even look at them. So Bill said, well, let me find out. So he goes in. They have a powwow. And he comes back and he says, all right, here's what's going on. Al knows nothing about disco. And he doesn't even bother reading them because he wouldn't know how to edit them. And I said, oh, well, at least I know. And then he said, well, you know what? I have an idea. Do you want to produce an issue all, all your own? And I said, yeah. He said, it's not, going to be, it's not going to be numbered and it's not going to be a volume. It's just going to be a mad special. And I said, well, I have, I have credit. And he said, yeah. He said, just don't write the whole thing yourself. Uh, call the usual gang of idiots and see if you can get like five or six uh, articles. Take the six you wrote. And um, I said, you know what? Nick wants to do some songs. Oh, he said, that'd be great. We'll do a floppy disc. Uh, so that's how that came about. I met Al Feldstein once at a, oh, okay. uh, at a convention later on. And he actually was a bit brusque, you know, to be polite, you know, but, yes. you know, he wasn't, outright whatever but you know we actually had an interesting talk because i told him that i saw him on mike douglas show in 1978 and he was really impressed with that he says holy crap i didn't think anybody saw that you know? oh <laughs> it was, okay it was okay. for mad's 25th anniversary and my parents had just got a vcr it was a beta machine and we taped that and i watched that over and over because there's something on tv about mad I'm <laughs> you know, I was, was he by himself he was by himself, yeah. yeah okay. um, I mean, there was other guests on the show. I think Ben Vereen was on the show. And a couple okay. Other no, but I meant really, from Mad. He just yeah, from Mad, it was just Al himself. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he, he told his stories pretty straightforward. You know, he says, yeah, Mad wasn't a very good seller until Super Duper Man. And uh, uh, I think the latest issue was the Rocky one from late 77. Oh, okay. You know, and it's, um, you know, and they showed some stills from that and got some last Oh, okay, yeah. And they showed some other people, I mean, some other pieces. I mean, like the the Ringo Starr Blech ad, you know, with the yeah, oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it's another one they showed. Oh, the great moments in medicine were presenting oh, the bill. Those things. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> that is one of my favorite things. Yes. So anyway, Feldstein yeah. uh, was very impressed that I remember that. So he kind of opened up a bit, but he was just kind of marveling at. Do people even care about Mad anymore? You know, it's like, why? You know, and I'm like, here I am. I've been a fan, you know, at the time, probably about 30 years or something. And I'm right. like, yeah, you know, I, I really love it. And he goes, okay, all right. You know, and then <laughs> I got his autograph and everything. But 
you know, he, he, I think he was, at that point in his life, he was starting to get it. You know, he, he didn't get it when he was doing it, and now yeah. he kind of got it, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, it's like, but I can understand the friction there. Yeah. Um, now, I don't know if you're friends with all the other writers, but another writer, when I did my crack book um, about a decade ago, Paul Lakin was one of the first writers that wrote for Mad, and he oh, came yeah. in with Frank Jacobs. But he was so frustrated working with Al that that's why he went to all the other publications like Cracked and yeah. Sick and everything like that. Yeah. Now, I, I knew Paul Lakin's name, but okay. I, I, so you I never met him. meeting him. Yeah. But that leads me to this question. I mean, because of that similar type of frustration, did you ever once before, during, or after working for Mad, I mean, as long as they were still being published, right. working for Crack or Sick or Crazy or Lampoon or any of the other publications, or you just said, no, I'm a Mad Boy? No, no, because, only because I, I, really, I, I really respected Bill. I, I thought Bill was so smart, and I loved, I loved the idea that put-down was the whole thing. I remember once I said to Bill, Bill, we're going, uh, we were booked for, to do an interview. And I said, Bill, I can tell you now from broadcasting, they are going to say, what is Mad's philosophy? So get something ready. And Bill said, oh, I got something. I said, what? And he said, Mad's philosophy is to never, ever stop reminding the reader how little value they get for their money. And I thought, <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, and there was a newspaper shortage once, and Bill is ranting at someone on the phone, and he said, you get it. I don't care what it costs. I pay you $100,000 a year. You get it. And it was that the print, his printing agent, I didn't know there was such a thing. <laughs> his printing agent was going to print Mad on slick paper at no additional cost because there's a newsprint shortage. And Bill said, I don't want, are you crazy? You find newsprint. I don't care what it costs you. I want Mad on newsprint, not slick. That's not Mad. And I always appreciated that, even though, you know, we pretend it's a crap magazine, he really cared about the readers. And, and what, what was, did you think about after he passed away? They kind of backpedaled on all that stuff. They brought back advertising. Uh, it was color and slick and, uh, you know, they did yeah, well, it you monthly. Know, I, you know, it wasn't supposed to be monthly and, you know, yes, things like that. Yes. The, the one thing in their favor was mad before they did as an all did a, a color issue a special color issue it sold really well so when they were pitching john to take ads the one thing i think that perked everybody's ears up was when you take an ad you get a free run on the color presses because the ads need a color press so you can print a lot of color for no additional cost for the magazine so that was a big plus um yeah i i i didn't keep track of circulation numbers but 
I, well, I hate I to say it, it always seemed to go down, down, down. Yeah, of course, yeah, now yeah. it's now the lowest. I mean, it's like it's like under fifty thousand an issue, and it's like yeah. so depressing when it used to be over two million. So well, I like, know it's all you can't. You, you know, it's only comic book stores and subscriptions. Yeah, but you know, and I, I always wonder. And you don't have any input at all, but I was just kind of curious. No. Uh, you know, it's like you know what they're purpose is what their plan is because i, I mean, know uh, this is what i heard the purpose is is not to they would have to refund subscription money to everybody because they have you know big magazines they can say um you you know like powerboat magazine was bought up by a big company that then closed the magazine but then they they sent everybody boating because it's another boating magazine so if AT&T closed mad they were they going to send them a phone book i mean they they, <laughs> they 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 have nothing to send right so it's easier to send them mad um and you know i i actually what um Susie and Bernie are doing are sort of making mad specials, right. you know, a mad special. They just yeah. get a theme and put a bunch of stuff in it. I mean, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I, I like seeing my stuff in there still. Uh, I like seeing other articles I didn't read when it first came out. And like you said, articles that came out before I was a mad fan. So it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It's just I mean, a it's a bit frustrating for me, only no, from I can the standpoint, understand. not because I have all the issues, but um, when I started reading Mad, you had the regular Mad, you had which was new material, of course. And then you had the special, which had nice color inserts, records, yeah. or posters, or whatever, and the paperbacks, which seemed to be totally omnipresent from the 70s, 80s, 90s. <laughs> yeah. And then those kind of went away, the pocket-sized ones, and the Takara took it like one step further and there was mad look at this, mad look at that, mad look at it. It was like thousands of books. Now, you go to Barnes & Noble or like one of the last chain bookstores left, you don't find mad at all and occasionally like I think 2021 they put out a reissue of a sci-fi special in a book form okay. and then they put out the Christmas stocking which is the same I was just going to say, didn't they, they do, do a every Christmas year. thing? Yeah. And yeah. it's like yeah, and if I was doing that with Mad, like, you go to the bookstore and they have, like, a Life special, a Time special, uh, you know, People Magazine special, and all those the same company, I think. But why can't Mad do that? You know, like, I would love to see, like, a Mad look at Wally Wood as a book. It's never been done. And right. the, since they're reprinting this stuff anyway, just put it in a book and put it out there. And it has a longer shelf life than, say, a monthly or bi-monthly. Or yeah. Whatever, I, I, at I, least. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think the fact that they they fired everybody, it, it's yeah. two people. It's right. just two people out yeah. there. It's just um, a shame because, I mean, it's like, like I said, what's the point? Because MAD used to be a valid, like you yeah. said yourself, you know, you know, I asked you, why did you stay at MAD if you could have been at Match Game? So because there was some clout with it. Like MAD, AT&T just totally destroyed the clout. It's like. Mad? What's that? Oh, somebody yeah, angry? No, oh, no, okay. oh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, it's I, just I know frustrating. Young, young, I, I don't even bring up mad with young people because yeah. they don't. You know, they, I, I, I just say uh, this guy. They go, oh, I know that guy. They don't know his name, but they know the image. Yeah, yeah. My man. Um, okay. Uh, regarding your books, I asked about the paperbacks, but like uh, the good days in mad here. I mean, yes. this is still pretty easily obtainable, but I mean, is there ever a chance for like 
an update or anything like that? Yeah, uh, of course, Bill is still dead, so. <laughs> but, I mean, is there anything you left out of it or anything you would want to update or correct or change or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, you know, it's sort of over, I guess, when they pried Mad off the wall, the Mad logo off the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no. It, it, the, the corporate world is... <laughs> yeah. Then the, then the other thing I was always curious about, and more so, but your your book would fit in too. Uh, Frank Jacobs did the Mad World of William and Gaines. Yes, and that coupled with your book, I think would make an excellent feature film on Gaines. I think Gaines right. should have a biopic done, and I don't know who would play him, Drew Carey or somebody. I don't know, yeah. but you know, I was thinking who would play William M. Gaines. But at the same time, it's like there's so many great stories that you could make a good, realistic biopic, and it could have drama where, you know, here's this guy uh, whose dad was publishing comics. He gets killed in a boating accident, then he takes over a company, doesn't know what to do with it, makes a, a line of horror and science fiction company. He's really successful, then it's killed, and then he somehow survives with a humor magazine, you know, yeah. this like, you know, up and down, and it's like, it's an incredible story, and it's never been told in a documentary or anything. Yeah, no. Uh, do you know who Dave Thomas is from, uh, from Second SCTV? City? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, SCTV. Um, so he, there was a podcast. Someone said, oh, listen to uh, uh, what the guy, uh, Gil- uh, Gilbert Gil- Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, because Dave Thomas talks about you. And so I listened to it, and he's very complimentary. Uh, that Second City, he relied, he, he, they started doing satires on Second City because of my satires. Anyway, um, I called, I know the producer there, and I said, can you give me Dave's email? Because uh, I just want to thank him. So I wrote him an email. 20 minutes later, my phone rings, and it says on the thing, Dave Thomas. So <laughs> uh, I pick it up. It is Dave Thomas. And God, we talked for an hour, uh, how much he loved Mad and how much he loved my work. And he said, so I get a call from Warner Brothers, and they're interested in me working on a movie with them. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to bring up Bill. What a movie this will make. And I go to the meeting, and I start talking about a movie about Bill. And they go, oh, we don't want to do anything about Mad. We want something crazy with you in it. Not, and he said, I was so, I, he said, I, I, I just walked out. He said, I couldn't believe they own the property and they tell me they don't want to do anything. Anyway, but, but that's their mentality. Because um, I think I, it would be an excellent biopic. You could do it. If somebody yeah. could do it and have the right yeah. casting. The right script, you know, yeah. whatever. So you remember the TV show Biography? Yeah. Andy. yeah. Biography yeah. wanted to do something with Bill. And because uh, I knew someone there. And they told me to call this person. Uh, oh, I, I told John. And John said, oh, let me find out. And uh, John calls me and says, no, they don't, want, they don't want Biography to do anything. They're thinking of doing that themselves. Well, that's just a way to say it's dead. Is and, and that's an excuse you get a lot. We're doing that ourselves. We don't want to tarnish our plan. You have no fucking plan. You know? 
but they don't want to tarnish it. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing out of your book that I was kind of curious about, and this story always made me really, well, a lot of stories made me laugh, not just this one, but uh, your dessert diet. <laughs> <laughs> My dessert? Yeah. And you Bill? got really sick. I mean, you could retell the story, and I was just kind of curious, do you eat candy or sweets or desserts now, or are you like, total veggie or something <laughs> no not not a totally not a total veggie but i have cut down a lot on desserts only because i was really i was really getting uh, overweight and and uh, someone sent me a picture of me and george woodbridge in a sarong and i i never knew i i had like a six pack i mean i looked unbelievable i was thinking christ who is that man? Who's that weightlifter? Uh, and I'm thinking, look at me now. Anyway, I'm back to the gym, and I, I've cut out a lot of desserts. No, but Bill, Bill was the, the the funniest one is with the menu. Is the first <laughs> we go out to dinner, just Bill and I. It's a really nice restaurant, and he's Billy said, "What are you, are you looking at the dessert menu?" And I said. Yeah, he said, well, we haven't eaten anything. I said, well, I, that determines if oh, I got an appetizer. If there's a dessert I want, then I don't get an appetizer. He goes, oh, give me, just order appetizer. So anyway, we we do that, we do that, and the waiter comes out and says, uh, would you like dessert? And Bill said, yes, we would like them all. And the waiter said, what? The Bill said, we, we want all the desserts on the menu. Bring them all out on the tray. I said, Billy, uh, what? he said, you said you like desserts. I said, yeah, but not a tray. He said, you'll eat what you want and they'll pack the rest up and you'll take it home. And th I mean, that was like, I couldn't believe it. And, and if you ate out with Bill, he always ordered for the table. And I remember there were three of us and he saw this and the, and the lady said, how many will you be? And <laughs> Billy said, no, it's just the three of us. She said, you're ordering so much food. Yeah. And he said, yeah. <laughs> so, so eating out with Bill was really, it was really uh, uh, an experience. Well, you had a lot of stories in the book also about um, just his inconsistent uh, frugality and lack thereof. <laughs> God, like yes. postage and I think oh, the, 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 typewriter. the typewriter there. The typewriter. <laughs> I goes when I started working there. So do you need anything? I said, Billy, uh, over at Goodson Todman, I have a Selectric, and it would be great. He said, What's a Selectric? I said, <clears throat> well, uh, If you make a mistake, uh, you just hold the correct key down, and the ball goes back, and it just erases the line totally. And you can retype it. He goes, how much are they? I said, well, they're like $600. He said, that's okay. Just buy one. And then a couple months later, he calls me and he goes, you can't reuse the ribbons in that freaking typewriter. I said, yeah, because the top ribbon is correct type. He said, why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> who, who would think? No, he said, I have Annie searching. We're going to find a ribbon that you can reuse. And he did. <laughs> Although I started buying my own ribbons and just using them. But I, 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 because at first I said, 
Billy, we're talking a joke here, right? And he said, I'm not talking a joke here. <laughs> yeah, so that you're right. That was Bill. But in general, you like you said, he was a sweetheart. You know, he was never oh, really cross with you. Did he ever really ever truly get mad with you, angry with you at any time? Mm -hmm. Or no. even slightly upset? <laughs> no, with that... <laughs> No, no, I don't think so. That's great. I don't, That's great. You know, I, I, you know, I have a park bench dedicated to Bill mm -hmm. uh, in in Riverside Park because <clears throat> Bill <clears throat> Bill was never late, and uh, he he and Annie came to the. I had a fifty foot houseboat at one time, and he and Annie would come there a lot, and he would get there early and I could see from the roof of my houseboat that bench but I wasn't always up on the roof and some would say oh you know that heavy set friend of yours he's out on the park bench <laughs> so after Bill died I thought you can you can uh, make a donation to the parks department and have a bench uh, engraved with their name so I did that no so no I I, I loved Bill we we just and and Bill loved Dennis too. Oh, the train. It's a train story. I forgot. I don't know if I remember that one. Did, uh, Bill calls me one day. And he said, "Write down this date. It's a Saturday, um, and you'll be gone the entire day." And I said, "Is this something I can invite Dennis to?" He said, "I rather Dennis come than you." <laughs> <laughs> that was the relationship we had. I said, well, can Dennis come and bring me? He said, oh, let's look at it that way. That's good. He said, but this day is especially for you. So we go to, he said, uh, meet at Penn Station. So we all go to Penn Station. Uh, they announced the Metro line to Boston. Billy said, go down to the platform, but don't get on the train. I said, oh, Christ, what? So we go <laughs> down, and I said, Billy, Billy said, just wait. Um, we hear a, another train whistle. Out of the tunnel comes a switch engine pushing an 1890s observation car with three chefs on the back in chef's uniforms on the observation platform, and they hook it up to the Metro liner. And Billy said, this is your, your surprise. We're going to Boston. We're going to have champagne breakfast. You guys will have five hours in Boston. I'm going to sleep here on the train. And then we're going to have a, a seven-course dinner with wine on the way back. It was like one of the most unbelievable days. And, and on Monday, I said, Billy, what does it cost to rent a... He said, "Well, the car's five thousand. It's uh, about two thousand to get it moved around because it came from Virginia. Uh, and then Amtrak they charge twenty-five first-class fares to tow it." He said, uh, ten grand. It's ten grand." It's so funny though. He was that way. You know, he yeah. had no problem dropping ten. Ten grand, the six dollar yeah. ribbon or whatever. Ribbon, you know? yeah. <laughs> I think because the ten grand was his money and, and the ten dollar was Mad's money. Yeah. Um, probably. The that. other thing is, you know, you, we mentioned earlier the Mad trips and everything. You went on all of them, right? You no, I missed pages? the first one. I oh, missed the, okay. the 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 Puerto Rico trip. 
Okay. And and I didn't go on the last one. I I just felt too melancholy about it. Was that one? A, that was after his passing. That was right? after yeah. Bill. I yeah. didn't I didn't want to go with the Time Warner people. I just okay. Yeah. Now the but first one was that the one where everybody went to the guy's house is like one yeah. subscriber. Oh, so you yes. weren't there on that one. So. No. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to his house. <laughs> yeah, but I I always well, I used to do a mad slideshow at, at uh, colleges, and I said, and uh, the guy renewed, and then his neighbor renewed, so they doubled their circulation in Haiti for like just five thousand dollars. Oh, that was in Haiti. That's right, <laughs> not yeah, in Puerto yeah. Rico, but so, yeah. yeah, I think it was Haiti. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So of all the trips, I mean, you talk about it in the book, you talk about the Africa trip yeah. and all sorts of different, what was your favorite if you had a favorite? Oh, the African trip. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 I loved animals and, and, and Billy got me there. He said, <clears throat> we're going to a place that you will freak out. It's called treetops and it's in the trees and the animals roam underneath. And I said, and we sleep there? And he said, yeah. <clears throat> I said, <clears throat> what do we do for food? And he said, you know, I guess they'll have sandwiches. They'll have something because we're staying there for three days. And I go, God, can we shower? And he goes, uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I brought Pop-Tarts and <laughs> potato chips. And, and we get there. The place is <clears throat> beautiful. Hot and cold running water. <clears throat> the only thing was uh, uh, you sit at very long tables and they they serve like trays of food and you just, you know, make your own dish up with all the various things. Um, I said, Billy, why didn't you tell me? He said, nah, I thought I'd worry a little bit about the trip. I said, well, you want some Pop-Tarts? <laughs> Uh, was that the same trip? I, I think there is one of them, and if it's a different trip, let me know. But I know you're a big pet lover, and I was going to ask you about your pets too. Right. Uh, but where there was like a pack of dogs outside town, and you saved some food for them. Oh, and it was you and George was, that Woodbridge. Was, that, that was uh, maybe Haiti. Oh, okay, on that was a, a different one. You were on yeah, that Lou, one too. Silverstone okay. was a was a big pet lover. Okay, and we said. Uh, Lou said, can you believe these poor dogs? I said, let's, let's buy dog food. And because if you, if you didn't go on a, an exotic trip, Bill would give you like $100 uh, for your meals. Um, and and if, if, if the airfare wasn't tremendous. <clears throat> so we went to some stores and somebody who spoke English said, there's no such thing as dog food here. Dogs just eat what's left over from what people eat. Um, so every day we just went to the deli and buy like five pounds of sliced turkey and blocks of cheese, and we'd go around and feed the dogs. So that yeah, that that that's how that ha that what that was about. So what current pets do you have now? <laughs> uh, I I just have uh, I'm married to a guy. So uh, Dennis and I have um, a rescue dog, Charlie, oh, okay. who who is uh, really, you know, I, I saw only recently, <clears throat> I already knew this, but uh, it was an interesting post online. It said, every dog is a therapy dog. It's just that owners don't recognize that. Well, Dennis has not been feeling good for two days. Charlie does not leave his side. 
If Charlie has to go to the bathroom, he'll run out. He'll do what he has to do in a minute, and he runs back and jumps on the bed with Dennis. He just, he just knows um, uh, that Dennis is not feeling well. What's up, Don? He's he's mostly a terrier. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, a, a rescue terrier. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I I have an affinity for dogs. Yeah. Um, I never had dogs in my life. Uh, basically, my mom hated them. She was afraid. Oh, okay. And then, so I never had one growing up, even though I wanted like Lassie or something. <laughs> and then, just because of where I've lived, apartments and stuff, I never had them. And then, you know, my present relationship, uh, she had a dog, and then we in- inherited my mother-in-law's dog too. So now we have two dogs. Oh, they're okay. Both, they're both little terriers. One's a half uh, Westie, half Havanese, oh, little black dog. Looks like Toto. Great. <laughs> And then the other one is a little bit larger, half uh, schnauzer, and, uh, half chihuahua. <laughs> so, oh, my God. She's very Are you odd. finding yeah. that you love dogs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But the, the schnauzer chihuahua one has that chihuahua temperament. So it's a larger dog, but like, arr, arr. <laughs> if you pet her the wrong way, you know, they're both girl dogs. You know, so. Uh, yeah, no, no. Great. <laughs> so it's I knew great. you loved dogs, so I figured I'd bring that up. You know, yeah, time, no, you know, no, so. no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's really all I had. I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but uh, I really... Yeah, no, this just, is great. Yeah. Actually, this works out good because I was going to have dinner at 6.30, so it's perfect. Um, but uh, at the end of our shows here, we usually have the guests just plug anything you're doing right now, any websites, any appearances, if any, during COVID times um, or anything. Well, this is for a book, isn't it? Well, um, it's going to be the podcast too. Oh, so, except yeah, 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 okay, yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, yeah the only the only thing I I, I plug is uh, uh, Gizwiz.tv is my weekly show with Chad Johnson about gadgets, and we try to find kind of weird, uh, funky gadgets, and that's about it. Good Days and Mad is on my website. I'm down to twenty copies left. Oh, you uh, still you still have copies of this, right? The Alfred E. Newman. Oh, I, yes, I do. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> a few I, other things on your website yes, too. Yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been selling uh, the Alfred pictures and sending the money to uh, the Actors Fund. I sent oh, very them, good. Uh, Five hundred dollars last year um, from actually until COVID is over. I've been pretty uh, pretty much sending everything I make, selling anything mad. Uh, to the Actors Fund. And you're still doing, you mentioned some TV you're doing still? Yeah, I'm still doing World News Now on ABC. And you can find all my spots uh, at gizwiz.biz. Very good. All right. All right, well, this was great. Yes, thank you very much. And I'll do a quick closing here. I want to thank you, Dick DiBarco, for being my special guest. And thank you for watching another Fun Ideas podcast. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Dick DiBartolo, for being my special guest. Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 151 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. 
Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.